Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Hello, Zinger Nation. My name is Logan Ross, and I'd like to welcome you to Flight 51 aboard the Moon or Bust rocket ship, your home for all things altcoins and DeFi. I am joined today on this adventure by DeFi developer Brian Moore and Ryan Mutant Ape McNamara. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. All my friends got rugged, but I'm still here. I'm happy. I'm doing well. <clears throat> How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We're doing a little bit of pre-recorded interview today. So if you guys are watching this live, unfortunately, we won't be able to hang out uh, like usual. Um, but we enjoy and appreciate you guys coming in and checking it out as always. Uh, so a couple things we got to get out of the way before we can get started. First up, the most important safety procedure there is. Anyone who is willing and able uh, and seated in any of the rows in existence, please activate your like button into the on position and we will be cleared for takeoff. Also, if you are here for crypto content, make sure you check out the Benzinga Crypto YouTube channel. It's a separate channel that we will be moving over to uh, in a couple weeks here. We are pushing to a thousand subs. We're going to do a giveaway when we hit it. So you got to be there early. Uh, all right, let's see what else we got. We got some dope links uh, in the description below. We have the Benzinga money site. This is the team that Ryan and I work on. We spend all our time building these pages for you guys. Uh, it's all about the education over there. So go check it out. Uh, we also have a moon or bust game on the money site. Uh, where you can go vote moon or bust on all of your favorite tokens. And you can see all of our favorite episodes as well. So go check that out. Uh, also, we have a Telegram. Uh, and if you join it, we will throw you a 25% off discount code for the moon or bust merch. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Uh, as always, make sure to connect with us on Twitter. We would love to hear from you. Uh, feel free to hit us up. DMs are open. If you have any crypto questions uh, that we can't get to because today's episode is not live, you can ask us there instead. All right. So with that out of the way, let's get right into it. First topic of the day, uh, <clears throat> Little Uzi Vert uh, was promoting this NFT project called The Eternal Beings. He, he had it as his PFP on Twitter. He was tweeting all about it. He said six ETH floor minimum. Mint price was or it's not not six ETH, six soul floor minimum. The mint price was was two point five soul, which is pretty expensive uh, compared to the standard. And, and guess what happened, Ryan? What happened, Logan? Tell me what happened. Mister Vertical, Mister Vertical himself deleted all of the content relating to the project from his <clears throat> Twitter. He basically Bruh. just disappeared, rugged the community, uh, and, and nothing has been heard from him about it since then ain't nobody safe how's it supposed no to go to a six soul floor if he's just going to delete the tweets it's obviously going to crash it that's what i'm saying trust right? him he's just trust you gotta trust any celebrity that has an nft project you know it's legit and nothing wrong will ever happen to it uzi may have a diamond forehead but he definitely does not have diamond hands <laughs> not anymore he's no. diamondless in all all shapes and form so I if you check out tweet, the this tweet lasted archive, about 20 dude. minutes. Sorry, Logan. I just got to get as many puns in as it can. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. Nice one. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, he posted this. It was up for a couple of days. Uh, and even Snoop Dogg gave it a little quote tweet <clears throat> with a shout out. Uh, and it looks like maybe Snoop might have gotten rugged as well. We'll have to check his Solana wallet if he has one. Here is the project's page. It's a Solana NFT. So it's on this Solana art uh, marketplace. And you can see the price floor is a whopping 1.7 soul. That is down like uh, 25% from the mint price. That's an oof. Yeah, hopefully uh, Snoop Dogg dropped it like it's hot and didn't keep, hold on to it. Because, man, that's just ridiculously crazy. Just to hype it up, use all your followers and everything, hype it up, 
and then just say, all right, see you. Like he doesn't like he needs the money. Like it, it what the heck? Why? I think it's us too. I mean, it's 2.5 <clears throat> sold to mint this $625. You rarely see NFTs that are that expensive to mint. I mean, even oh, board API club was 0.08 ETH to mint, which at the time was probably like $200. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Woke up this morning at 7 a.m., checked my phone, uh, and saw that that's just the way life goes. I mean, Uzi must have been drinking and smoking a little bit too much. Uh, he's a cool guy, too. Like, he's really down to earth. If you see any interviews he does, you, I wouldn't expect someone of his, you know, status to do it. But then that goes to show you, anyone, it could happen to anyone. It could be from anyone. Yeah, and I don't have a problem with celebrities sponsoring these NFTs either. Like, go get your bag. But when it's an NFT project surrounded by your brand, I mean, these NFTs look like Uzi. It had a play on words from Eternal Take. So, like, this was very deeply intertwined with Uzi. Not only that, but a winner is supposed to win backstage passes to a little Uzi Vert concert. Is that even going to happen anymore? Probably not, but I'm not sure. It seems like he's totally not affiliated with this project whatsoever right after the mint. It's definitely not a good look for the NFT community. I think it's not a good look for Solana either, since this is one of the few projects that have really blown up on Solana's ecosystem. Yeah, you we know, still are good. <laughs> when I saw the mint price, I was like, geez, that's a rack. Uh, I need to get my money longer. And then Uzi erased his social, and I was like, man, I got some P's and Q's. <laughs> Jeez, that was like what eight puns in one sentence <laughs> guys we need some likes for that right? i am on top with these puns man we've seen a lot of this stuff happen with the uh like bnb shit coins and all that kind of stuff <laughs> i'd expect it to happen with nft projects which it has but it it, it is a little you know take it takes you back a little bit whenever you see someone of his status he just straight rug something like this it's yeah, may, maybe he was trying to buy a, a silly watch or a Canadian goose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but now I got I'm sorry on repeat. <laughs> Pun in it. All right, that, that's enough Uzi puns for one day. Um, so next topic we have uh, is that El Salvador's volcano Bitcoin mining farm. I'm sure you guys have heard about it. Uh, they just dropped a, a dope promo video uh and i want to share it with you guys and, and show you the progress on that so here it is have you guys seen if they've released any specs on this yet as far as how many miners the hashing power anything like that no um, i'm not sure <clears throat> not it, they're pretty much experimenting with it right now which is pretty cool to see like them using volcanic energy as a you know energy source to power all this stuff because of the amount of carbon footprint that bitcoin mining has and the how detrimental it is to like the environment when it gets to these levels which they're you know utilizing a lot of power especially from a volcano but there's a little bit mixed reviews in this uh world bank does is says they're not impressed with the uh el salvador move but el salvador has now taking out, you know, capital gains tax on Bitcoin and if you mine it and, you know, they are doing something that's positive for the environment. So it kind of can go either way. It's going to be kind of hard to tell which who's the winner in the outcome of this. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of El Salvadorians live outside of the borders. So there was an economic report that estimated Western Union will lose $100 million uh, of profit uh, each year just from El Salvador switching over to Bitcoin, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> it's well, kind of this is yeah. I think this is a more sustainable strategy too, because as Bitcoin mining gets harder and harder to do, your margins get less and less because you're spending so much more money on electricity with something like this. Once it's set up, you're not really spending money on electricity. You don't have that overhead cost. So I mean over the long term I think this is a very solid play by them, especially as the hashing power increases with Bitcoin's price. Mm -hmm. once somebody yeah, I, can I think so too once somebody can create a um more reusable mining machine or just the hardware i think that they are going to create a you know are going to be very very rich but also help the environment a whole lot more than what it is now you only get a you know a handful of amount of time that you can use a a gpu or you know whatever 
you use to mine the Bitcoin mm-hmm. because it's so much power that's going through those machines that they run out like that. So if someone can find a sustainable way to make them more resilient, I think that they would definitely make the world a better place for Bitcoin because it's not going anywhere. You know, it's mm-hmm. only going to become harder and harder, like you just said. Right. So the startup costs for this project were probably pretty huge. Um, but once they ROI, they'll just be printing money from that volcano, which is really dope. I'd say quickly, too. Quite quickly. Yeah. So, I mean, you saw the scale of that operation there in the video. Like they have huge, huge uh, rack space. we be running a ton of hashing power. Yeah. Yeah, right. I think this should honestly be a little bit bigger news because we saw the news broke when they bought 200 Bitcoin and then they bought another 200 Bitcoin. But that's really not very much, especially for a government. Something like this is definitely much, much more costly and a much larger investment over the long term. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. This should be bigger news. Uh, but instead, the headline of this morning was your favorite person ever, Ryan, Elon Musk. You want to tell us about that story? Elon Musk. Yeah. So Elon Musk was interviewing and he basically said that the United States should take a hands off approach when it comes to cryptocurrency. He said, and quote, they should do nothing. And I mean, this makes sense. I think a lot of people in crypto do agree with him. Uh, I'm not sure if legislators are going to listen at all. I don't really think there will be. But I guess this does bring attention uh, from the retail investors. And I, I think a lot of people agree with what Elon Musk has to say, even if they aren't very educated on the topic. So it's good to see that he supports a hands-off approach to cryptocurrency. I thought something else from the same interview was actually really interesting. He commented on China's mining regulation about how China banned Bitcoin mining earlier this summer. And he thinks it has something to do with their electricity generation issues because about 50% of, of the Bitcoin mining power came from China before it was banned, which is a huge amount. I mean, Bitcoin's network uses about the same amount of electricity as a small to mid-sized country. So it is an enormous amount. Electricity is super cheap in China. So that's why so many people were mining there. But if they have electricity shortages, so some people are going without power because there's simply just not enough electricity to go around. So that's really interesting. I never got that take before, but that definitely could play a role in it. And and I'm not really sure where it goes from here, but I don't think that, that China is going to be introducing Bitcoin mining anytime soon. I think they're going to stick to their ban. And I mean, the innovation is just going to have to go somewhere else at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Another thing I thought that was interesting from that interview was that he said he thinks that crypto is basically unstoppable. So uh, you kind of have to embrace it or kick it out of your country and let the development happen elsewhere. So that's why he said that that the U.S. should take a hands off approach to crypto regulation and, quote, do nothing. All right. Next up, Uh, this is big. We've been waiting for this for a while, but it happened for the first time today. Hubi Global is offering USDC uh, the Solana version of it. So USDC on Solana is now directly purchasable and uh, and sellable on Hubi Global. Um, I expect to see a lot more moves like this in the future where, you know, you can buy your layer two ETH like already. So you can buy ETH on Polygon or you could buy ETH on Arbitrum. Then you wouldn't have to pay the, the bridge fees. The exchange will take care of that for you. Uh, I, I expect this to become more and more popular and the first big example of that happened today. So I thought that was another cool thing to share with y'all. All right. That is our news segment <coughs> for today. If you enjoyed it, especially that little Uzi Vert segment, make sure you go ahead and smash the like button for us. Uh, so other people who might enjoy this content can find it as well. And we can grow the moon or bust community to be one of the biggest on YouTube. Next up, we have an interview with Scott Smiley from the Icon Project. Now, if you guys don't know Icon, it is in the top 100 market cap of all the cryptos. It's available on Coinbase. It's a super dope blockchain interoperability project. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to welcome Scott to Moon or Bust. How are you doing today, Scott? What's up, Logan? Thanks for having me, man. Hey, the pleasure is all ours. Uh, so first question for you. How did you uh, like become interested in crypto to begin with? Sure. Yeah. It uh, started back in early 2017. I was working uh, in investment banking and my roommate came home and he had downloaded the Coinbase app. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know a damn thing about Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin. Those were like the Mm -hmm. three that were listed on Coinbase at the time. I was like, what the hell is the difference between these? 
Um, and I took one look at the charts though. And I was like, I need to find out what the difference is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I saw, I think at the time, like Ethereum was at like 75 bucks yep. and it skyrocketed from 10. And mm. I was like, you know, the fact that I could have participated in this and didn't, there's still something I need to learn. I want to understand what I'm doing before I just click buy. And then from there, I just like started spending my nights and weekends and what little free time I had as a banker, just educating myself, reading white papers, talking in different chat rooms, talking to admins, talking to node operators. And just like I had absolutely no software development or understanding at all at the time. I was just pure finance and just really educated myself um, and then started going to conferences. And I actually met uh, Min Kim, uh, the icon founder at a conference in D.C., I believe, and uh, just started talking to him asking more questions. And then in April, 2018 is when I first started uh, at Icon. Awesome. That's a great story. So could you give us a high level overview of what Icon is? Sure. Yeah. So, so Icon is, and always has been a uh, interoperable interoperability protocol at, at heart. Um, mm -hmm. When it first started, it was more focused on enterprise use cases where there were um, the plans were to set up multiple enterprise versions of uh, or enterprise blockchains and then use the icon public blockchain as kind of like a communication layer between them. Um, but we, what we've all seen, um, you know, over the last few years is that enterprise adoption is, is a bit slower than we all had hoped. So I'd say like about a year ago, we decided to pivot more into just uh, like broaden our scope, uh, stay to stay relevant in the, you know, uh, public blockchain industry and, and, focus more on public to public blockchain interoperability. Um, so that's kind of what we're focusing on now. We're going to be launching our BTP protocol later this year with, um, let's see, the Polkadot and Kusama ecosystem, Binance Smart Chain, Harmony, uh, and Near, I believe, are the first ones that we're working on. But once we have kind of all the, uh, all the foundation, like all the frameworks for these different smart contract languages, it'll be a lot easier to add uh, other blockchains going forward. Interesting. So I'm curious, how are you integrating uh, with Polkadot and Kusama through Moon River or something different? Right. Yeah. Moon River uh, had a good um, testnet implementation setup, So it was the mm -hmm. easiest to kind of integrate with them first. Um, so yeah, like we're starting with Moon River and also talking to Akala mm -hmm. uh, Plasm. I think they rebranded as like Astar or something like that. And um, the other one is Edgeware as well that we've been in contact with all of those different parachains in that ecosystem. Interesting. So I'm curious, I don't know how um, like technical uh, you'll be able to answer this question, but uh, Moon River is like, a, it's EVM compatible, right? So could you uh, kind of use the same tools to connect to Ethereum as well? Yeah, that is true. Um, so there is one like, uh, there's something that Moon River did to their EVM uh, to help mm -hmm. us that we needed uh, to be able to integrate. So we will be able to add Ethereum. It's just going to take uh, some changes to the Icon Core blockchain, which we'll be planning, you know, after we do these initial implementations to be able to connect to Ethereum. But, you know, my logic is that, you know, it's definitely <laughs> important to connect to Ethereum, definitely will do it, but there's plenty of bridges to Ethereum, like through these other networks that we're connected to. I don't mm -hmm. think there's going to be any issue uh, moving Ethereum assets around. Um, and we also have the Orbit bridge on the Icon network currently, uh, that's mm -hmm. direct connection to Ethereum. So, um, Awesome. Yeah, so, but the, the architecture is the same. Logan, can I butt in just for a second? I have a, I have a question for Scott. Please do. Uh, do you have any plans on implementing Solana, especially after these past couple of months with all the hype around it? Oh, yeah, uh, 100%. Um, so Solana is also Rust-based smart contracts, and Near Protocol is also Rust-based. So we'll be able to use a lot of the work that we've done on Near Protocol to integrate with Solana as well. Gotcha, cool. Awesome. Awesome. So if you had to pick like one thing or maybe a couple of things that separate Icon as an interoperability project, what would you say that is? I think one of the things that I get most excited about is the uh, security aspect of it. So mm -hmm. the way most of these interoperability solutions work currently is some sort of proof of authority node system uh, amongst the relays where there needs to be needs to be some consensus amongst relays, whether it's two thirds plus one consensus or it's like a, a multi-signature wallet. In the end, the relays themselves control the minting and burning and locking and unlocking of assets that are being transferred. While in the icon, uh, in icons BTP, the relays have absolutely no control over any of the smart contracts. They cannot be malicious, even if they colluded. All they can do is is fail to deliver messages. So on icon, relays are a source of liveness, while in most other interoperability solutions, relays are a source of security and a source of risk. That's gotcha. very interesting. 
So uh, what utility does the icon token have and um, what gives it its value? Sure. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty high right. level broad stroke question there. The uh, yeah. ICX is like, um, you know, icon is like a layer one blockchain as well. So it has, it's a delegated proof of stake network. So you stake and lock your icon tokens and, and vote for a validator and you earn your share of block rewards for that. Similar to many other DPOS networks, Cosmos yeah. included, mm -hmm. you know, plenty of them out there. Um, and then in terms of the, uh, how it fits into BTP and, and accrues value from more usage of BTP, that was something that we tried to think a lot about, like being the interoperab interoperability protocol is great, but how does it help uh, accrue value to the token? So what happens is there, there are fees generated from BTP when sending tokens between networks and sending cross-chain messages. And those fees are aggregated into a smart contract on the ICON network. And that contract will then auction the fees off at a discount to ICX holders and take the ICX proceeds that it earns and burns them. So it creates like this token sink. The more fees that are generated through BTP, the more ICX is taken off the market to purchase these tokens at a discount. Gotcha. Interesting. So I'm sorry if I missed this. Could you, could you tell me what BTP is? Right. Yeah. That's the blockchain transmission protocol. Uh, that's kind of okay. like, yeah. And that's ICON's interoperability solution. Gotcha. Gotcha. Pretty unique. So Scott, you mentioned earlier that Icon's focus was primarily on private enterprises a few years back, and now you shifted more towards public blockchains. Can you explain basically what your offering is for private enterprises? I know you kind of briefly went over it, but uh, can you delineate the difference between your offerings for private blockchains and public blockchains and how that differs? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the enterprise side actually comes from a separate entity that, that works very closely with Icon. Uh, it's called Icon Loop. They're based, okay. in, they're based in Korea and they do, they have a lot of relationships with like the Seoul Metropolitan Government, for example, uh, you know, that's the, the, the city government. And then uh, Jeju Island is like a popular vacation spot in the area and they have a relationship with the Jeju Island government. Um, and then like some banking institutions, insurance companies, they have this thing called the MyID Alliance, which is, uh, you know, a big uh, cohort of enterprises and government entities looking to use enterprise blockchain for um or looking to use either enterprise or public blockchain for um identification services so pretty much what it comes down to is icon loop had a ton of relationships with um you know different enterprises and government entities in korea and the plan was to set up uh enterprise blockchains and allow them to communicate so for, for example you could you could understand why you know maybe uh an enterprise blockchain that was being used by uh, the banking industry would want to be able to communicate with perhaps um, insurance company, uh, like in, in a blockchain run by insurance companies. So the plan was they would, you know, communicate information and share proofs of information through the public blockchain. So that way they wouldn't need to be running nodes on each other's networks. But, you know, these enterprise blockchains are just really slow to gain adoption. It's like proof of concept after proof of concept. And you know, I, I do still personally believe that enterprise blockchain will have a place in the future of this industry. But, um, you know, for obvious reasons, just like a large regulated enterprise is going to be slower to adopt, um, you know, brand new technology than, than startups and, uh, you know, other folks in the uh, public blockchain space. Hmm. Okay, yeah, that so, makes sense. So for, for example, like you said, if a bank and an insurance company wanted to communicate with each other, instead of running on the same public blockchain where that information would be public, they'd be able to keep their information private, but you'd be right. able to verify that information. Right, yeah. So they could essentially provide proofs through the public blockchain without actually sharing data. Gotcha, gotcha. Very cool. Logan, did you have a quick question, a quick follow-up? I do up? have a quick question. So I saw you guys are working with Samsung. Do they have their own blockchain and uh, what are you guys doing with them? So yeah, this, this is more on the Icon Loop side of things. So like, I, I actually don't work uh, at Icon Loop and I, I don't have like too much communication with them these days. I'm much more focused on the public blockchain side. So I, I really can't comment, unfortunately, on the enterprise relationships and like where they stand. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, you know, so, sorry, I can't share more information on that guys, but no, no yeah, worries. I'm more of a public blockchain guy. Yeah, no worries. My next question is actually about public blockchain and retail adoption. So how do you guys plan on onboarding new users? I know onboarding is a huge problem in cryptocurrency. A lot of things are really complicated right now. So how are you going to streamline that process and make it easier? Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that question because that's a major focus and kind of a major theme that I heard. I, I, I was just at the Masari conference. Like, you know, 
it sounds kind of cliche, but we're still very much early days uh, in this industry. You know, we're, a lot of people are kind of fighting over the existing cryptocurrency users. But, you know, what I'm thinking about mostly is, is how do we grow the pie and get more people involved in this ecosystem? And that really all comes down to user experience and onboarding, just like you asked. Um, so I'm working on uh, this product called called Bridge, uh, BridgePay.money. It's, it's a wallet that uses the magic SDK in the back end combined with a partner uh, that's a stablecoin provider. So, you know, the user experience that we're going for, like we're not quite there yet, is, you know, you sign up for Bridge, you enter your email, and and wh what happens in the background is a wallet is created for you and a private key is stored in an encrypted server, so only you have access to it, but you don't even really know that you're using a private key, right? You don't even know you're using blockchain. To the end user, they entered their email, they got a confirmation link, they clicked it, and they're logged in, and that's it. But what really happened is we created them a blockchain wallet. And then from there, they'll be able to deposit, uh, you know, deposit cash, right? And, and what that is actually going to be is, sent, is signing up for an account at our trust partner. And then uh, they deposit cash into the trust and the trust mints them a stable coin and it gets sent to their bridge account, right? So to the end user, all they've done is they've entered an email and they've, they've deposited cash and the cash arrived in their bridge account. So that's like extremely easy and familiar to people who were not involved in the cryptocurrency industry. They didn't need to learn about purchasing cryptocurrency or a stable coin or this or that. You know, like that's kind of the end goal of Bridge to be able to onboard people that way, like directly into apps like, uh, you know, Balance or OMM. These are like uh, Icon's DeFi products. Really, uh, you know, more broadly uh, to be able to interact with uh, the blockchain industry. And you know, I think user experience is extremely important for, for every type of product in this space. And it really hasn't been a major focus for a lot of products as, you know, people are trying to get a token out and, you know, capitalize on, on, on a bull market and things like that. You know, it's, it's been more important to be fast rather than to be usable. And, you know, I'm more focused on trying to, to grow that pie and, and, you know, have a good strategy to, to onboard people like, like my parents, you know. Um, so I, even on the bridge, like using BTP, uh, moving assets between networks, that needs to be really seamless. It needs to be direct integration into apps. And, and all that comes down to is like good API documentation for developers for like direct integration and, and you know, good good wallet uh, user experience like Bridge and, and all around like, uh, you know, simple to use and understand interfaces. Hmm. Gotcha. So, so you say you uh, put in your email and then it sends you a confirmation link. You don't have like a password or anything? Nope, nope. It's the uh, magic. It's a uh, yeah, passwordless authentication and... Uh, because in, in the end, like to get into your email, you need to have a password, right? So um, that's right. kind of the idea of that type of uh, login service. So how, how do they like use their public key? Maybe even if they don't know it, how does the app retrieve it? Like, don't you have to have a private key to like decrypt the, right. the yes. information? So I, I'm, I'm not uh, 100% sure how magic works because it, it is a third party service in the end. But I'm pretty sure mm. what, what, the way it works is like they have all of the private keys stored in an encrypted server. Mm -hmm. And um, when you click the confirmation link, that pulls, uh, they know to send your specific private key from their server to your local device. And then it's stored mm -hmm. and, and decrypted on your local device to be able to use to be signed to, to sign transactions. That's my understanding mm -hmm. of Magic. I'm not on the Magic team. They're, they're great guys. I'm sure they could give a much better, more in-depth explanation than that. That's a pretty good way to explain it. It's mm -hmm. through APIs and all that kind of stuff, but it's pretty, it's pretty yeah, straightforward. Private keys. Yeah. Um, going on another high level question. Um, can you tell us what an iconist and a public representative is and why they're important to the icon ecosystem? Yeah, sure. I, I can break that down pretty easily. I mean, like we have this, uh, like back in 2019, uh, me and a couple of guys at icon wrote this, uh, just, uh, blog post or whatever, like uh, opinion piece on 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 what like on, on blockchain. Uh, eh, sorry, blockchain and cryptocurrencies being considered like digital nations that we're building like financial infrastructure, we're building political infrastructure. There's governance and there's citizens, right? Like uh, all the cryptocurrency holders, and there really is a lot of overlap. I mean, you see some people are more uh, excited and patriotic about the coins they hold versus the country that they live in. <laughs> yeah. You know, it can, it can get like pretty intense. Right. And uh, I definitely see, still believe in that vision and, and definitely see that happening. So we kind of went that direction with the naming conventions within our ecosystem. And I mean, the fact that you have to ask that question does kind of make me wish that we just went with more traditional names. I mean, a P-Rep is a block producer, mm -hmm. a validator, it's a miner, whatever you want to call it. Right. 
and an iconist is just uh, an ICX holder. So gotcha. that's, and, that's, and that's kind of like uh, the naming convention we went with. And, you know, it does confuse some people from uh, the outside looking in, but I do think there is some value in it, uh, like within our ecosystem where people feel like and identify more with it for that reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes no, sense. I actually do like those names. I think that they're more obvious than like staker and delegator, or uh, especially to someone who's not in blockchain already, right? Yeah, true. Exactly. That's, that's a good point. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And they're the exact same as those words. In, I mean, doesn't doesn't affect the the roles they play. Yeah, exactly. And I like that. Yeah, and, and the public representative, it does have a little bit more of a focus on the governance side, which is important for the longevity of a blockchain network. You know, you don't want it to stagnate. You want those who are, you know, producing blocks and incentivize that you want them to want to grow the network and contribute to the core code and, you know, vote on changes and things like that. So it does give this like uh, connotation that there's more to it. You know, yeah. just uh, you know, mining. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And moving on to some applications on Icons Network, I saw that you worked for Balanced DAO. I, I saw you worked for launching Balanced DAO. Rather, um, can you tell us a little bit about what that Balanced DAO is and how it compares to, say, like Uniswap or Aave? Because it looks kind of like it's maybe those two applications combined into one in a way. Right. Yeah. So, so Balanced is essentially a platform to get leverage against your cryptocurrency. Um, right now it only supports ICX, uh, but we do plan on adding many more collateral types once, uh, BTP is live and, uh, you know, yeah. So once BTP is live and we have other assets uh, within the icon ecosystem, we want to add more collateral types, but what balance does is it allows you to deposit ICX and mint, uh, BNUSD against it, which is like very similar to die, but backed by ICX. And we do want to add, like I said, multiple collateral types. And from there, we wanted to give people the opportunity to directly like use that leverage they got to purchase something, right? So uh, that's why we also created like a Uniswap style DEX. So Balanced is actually very similar to uh, MakerDAO plus Uniswap on the Icon Network with uh, you know a beautiful user interface and user experience. Sweet. So is that DEX operational yet, or do we have to wait until more tokens are added to the ecosystem? Yeah, no, it's it's operational. So right now. Uh, we have balanced tokens listed, um, ICX, balanced dollars, USDC. We have the uh, our stablecoin partner through Bridge. Uh, it's called USDS, uh, Stably is, is the company. And um, so we have their stablecoin trading and OMM tokens, which is kind of like the Aave equivalent within the Icon ecosystem. Um, so it's mostly, it's, it's like all Icon ecosystem right now, for the most part, except for uh, USDC, which is bridged over um, from Ethereum. But Besides that, it's kind of isolated to the Icon ecosystem, but I am excited for the growth once we have BTP and other assets added as collateral. Just kind of still in the development phase there. Kind of take well, so, so those tokens you mentioned, are they only available on that deck, some of those smaller tokens within the ecosystem, or can you get them other places? They are only available on that deck, yeah. Okay. That's cool. Okay. Um, are there other Icon apps that you're particularly excited about? And can you tell me more about maybe Icon Bet or Project Nebula? I saw those two. Um, they seem particularly interesting to me. I saw, I saw they have to do with NFTs and blockchain gaming. Um, so either of those two, or if you're particularly excited about any other blockchain protocol um, that's coming out on Icon. Yeah, I think I could give kind of just a, a high-level rundown. I will start with those two that you just mentioned. Okay. So, so, so Icon Bet is like a on-chain fully... Uh, like transparent, provably fair. Um, you know, they have casino games and I, I believe they're adding like uh, sports betting as well and some other uh, types of games, but um, they've had a really strong uh, community for a long time. And they I, th- I believe they were the first application to launch on the icon network to kind of sh- prove and show what the technology can do. Um, and I think it yeah, really uh, helped in, you know, uh, building that uh, community aspect on the icon network and, and they are still continuing to build and, and introduce new games um, so I definitely have uh, been been uh, really interested in using IconBet for quite some time. And then uh, the other one is Project Nebula is also really fun. Um, it's like a space exploration game. 
that uses NFTs. And, you know, I'm not sure about you guys. Uh, I, I assume I see like an ape on, uh, on, on your yeah. back, there, Ryan. Like, I personally, like, listen, I have nothing against NFTs. I just like can't really get excited about them. Like <laughs> apes and, and a bunch. Like, I, I see that there will be value and people are definitely uh, going to, there will be something to it. It's just like, you know, not something that I'm personally into. But uh, Project Nebula, like, I do like the idea of <clears throat> NFTs in games, right? Like, mm-hmm. they have planets and spaceships that have tangible value, like, in the game. So, people, if the game does become really popular and adds a ton more features about, like, what planets can do and what and what uh, ships can do, then, you know, I see kind of the tangible value there. So, I'm pretty excited about uh, Project Nebula and their growth um, and what they can do, um, you know, on the gaming side. Um, you know, and then, and then more broadly... Icon is putting together like all of the foundational components of a DeFi ecosystem, right? Like sticking with the digital nations um, metaphor, we need kind of all of these different services and these building blocks in place just to have like a functioning financial system within uh, the Icon ecosystem that we can then branch out to like international finance using BTP. So we have like a curve equivalent that's launching soon. It's called equality.exchange. There's uh, a yearn.finance equivalent, like a yield aggregator, which is, you know, for, for, for people who don't want to think too hard about earning extra yield deposit there. You know, I, I see that as an important uh, service as well. That's called optimist.finance. And then currently live, we have balance.network and omm.finance. And omm.finance provides that money market, you know, similar to Compound and Aave. And then balanced, as we were talking about earlier, is like uh, that, lever- that leverage platform. Uh, like MakerDAO and and a, and a trading platform like Uniswap. Awesome. Uh, so Scott, we talked to Pung from the Cosmos team uh, a couple of months ago, and he told us that he doesn't see other blockchain interoperability projects as competition, uh, but that they're all working together. Do you share that view? I do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I mean, I live outside of New York City. There's like multiple ways to get into New York from New Jersey. Sometimes one has more traffic. Sometimes one has bigger tolls. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you're going to different places and it makes sense to use different bridges. I mean, mm-hmm. I definitely see room for multiple interoperability solutions. The more, the longer I'm in this industry, it's been like over three years now, the, the, the more I believe we're going to have a, a, a robust multi-chain future. I don't think it's going to be two or three blockchains. I don't think it's going to be five or 10. You know, I'm thinking 50, 100, even 1,000 when you look at the fact that like Axie Infinity is, is building their own blockchain. Right. Like mm-hmm. uh, NBA Top Shots has built their own blockchain. You know, mm-hmm. like there's going to be a lot of application specific blockchains who have different needs in terms of different bridges. There might be more direct or less direct ways to get to where you need to go. And I absolutely see there being multiple uh, interoperability protocols and, and, and then ways to streamline that as well. Right. Because you don't want like uh, let's just use a very simple example. Like, let's say you were on the Icon Network and you had IBC ETH from the Cosmos ecosystem and then you had BTC ETH from using the BTP bridge. They would be different tokens, but in a digital nation, if you will, you can kind of have this like uh, currency, I think like curve or uh, equality on icon to fill this role where you essentially wrap these tokens. And then there's like one version of ETH that's used in all icon app, but you mm. can uh, you know swap for it for free with like all these other versions of ETH as long as they're uh, a, a, you know um, approved, if you will, by, by whatever product is doing that. Um, Logan. I absolutely think there's going to be many bridging solutions and, and many different blockchains. If I can just jump in here again, Logan. So you mentioned there might be like a hundred or a thousand different blockchains running parallel to each other, say in 10 years from now. Do you think there's any benefit of having a public blockchain that's not interoperable? Or do you think that in the future, all public blockchains will have some type of interoperability with each other? Um that's a tough question. Like I have seen like kind of just, just from my work, like doing business development for, uh, for uh, BTP, like speaking to different networks with different ideologies. Um, you know, like you, you could think of like, uh, you know, there's certain countries in the real world today that really don't like doing international trade and, and are completely solid off. I mean, they're, they do have their own benefits, I would assume, but you know um, I, I very much uh, am a believer in like, uh, you know, open, you know, trade and finance between different countries in the real world and also uh, also in the blockchain space. So I do think there could be uh, some blockchains that end up going that direction based on their communities, right? Like if that's what the community wants, they want it to be siloed, they want to only use their own assets and, and, and things like that. I could see that happening and being relatively successful as well. 
That's a good question, Ryan. I hadn't thought of that before. Uh, so, so Scott, I really like your metaphor about the different bridges. Uh, some will be more busy on different days, and so there's a need for multiple. I, I totally agree with that. Um, I'm curious to hear, um, you talked about the importance of user experience in the future of blockchain interoperability, and having all these different versions of wrapped tokens uh, can kind of become messy, uh, especially for users who don't really understand what's going on behind the scenes. So, uh, I, I agree, like like what you said, there will be a pools where you'll be able to get the, the one version for the, the chain that you're currently on. Um, but how, I'm, I'm guessing, or I guess I'm saying what type of UX experience or improvements uh, do you see coming in that sector of the, the space? Yeah, so I lightly touched on that earlier when it comes down to API documentation. So I think what's really important is to not like, so Icon will have this. There's like uh, kind of this bridge portal. Not sure if you've used them. There's like plenty that are available uh, through existing bridging products where the, you go to this website specifically just to bridge an asset. Mm -hmm. Take the source blockchain, destination blockchain, the type of asset. You send it and you wait for confirmation and your heart is racing. Is it going to get there? Blah, blah, blah. It's <laughs> like a typical bridge experience right now, right? And like, I think, uh, you know, we, I think we need to skip that step. Um, I think like a product like Balance, if we're offering people the ability to trade Ethereum to ICX, we need to ha have the user interface and, and back end of the product take care of bridging the Ethereum over to Icon. Maybe it'll, mm -hmm. it'll certainly take a little longer than if it was already on Icon, but through proper API documentation for BTP and, and good example use cases, a user, there's no reason a user shouldn't be able to click like, uh, you know, one or two clicks and then have their Ethereum uh, bridged over to Icon through BTP and then mm -hmm. and then swapped for ICX on the balance decks. I, I don't see why that is impossible. Certainly, uh, you know, will be difficult from an implementation standpoint, very complex, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of logic to handle there, but it's, it's mm -hmm. certainly within the realm of possibilities. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, the okay. thing that's, that's sticking in my mind is that... Um, we talked to a, a tax expert who, who knows a lot about crypto as well, like um, pretty recently, and, and that would be considered like a taxable event, any type of swap uh, or even a bridge, yeah, like money the, leaving the your wallet. I would definitely argue against. I mean, I'm no accountant, not a lawyer. So take oh, yeah. Word. No, I don't think it's I don't think it, <laughs> it makes like... sense by any means. Like they, they would say <laughs> swapping from USDC to USDT is a taxable event. It's like yeah, that's, that's, that's just like changing dollars out at the store. Like it, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you would, but like say you have a two dollar yeah. bill and you wanted two or like a twenty dollar bill and you wanted twenty ones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Same thing. Yeah. <clears throat> You're yeah, not getting anything. Yeah. The way they're doing it now definitely doesn't make sense. It'll be interesting to see uh, if they can figure it out. I mean, Gary Gensler taught an MIT course on blockchain, so you think he would know, but I guess not. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, yeah, there's, there's no way. So, Scott, where do you see Icon looking maybe 10 years down the road? What do you see as Icon's niche or its like main draw to users? Yeah, I definitely think, you know, I, I, w I would like to see Icon focus on the bridging technology and, and be kind of one of the go-to solutions that's integrated into applications across countless different blockchains, right? Like I spoke about how Balanced could abstract away the bridging process through proper API documentation and, and integration examples. Um, and I would like to see, you know, as many apps as possible doing that. So kind of the, the, the road for Icon is to build the bridges uh, to these different digital nations and then work with like the, uh, the leaders of these digital nations and, and get introductions to their businesses that are built there to integrate directly into the business and show them how to give like the best user experience possible. So you could prove and show how important that is within the icon ecosystem with our kind of handful of flagship apps. These are almost mm -hmm. like good examples, if you will, to show others what can be done and then get that bridge uh, and, and get that technology integrated into, into many different apps um, for seamless communication between uh, DeFi apps, for example. Very cool. So would you say that UX is the biggest hurdle left to get there? Oh, 100%. 100%. I think that's where the competition is really going to heat up. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm, you know, like definitely within the space right now, like these incentive programs are exciting and it draws attention to you within the cryptocurrency space. But, you know, walk down the street in New York, like anywhere and ask like, oh, did you guys hear about like the Avalanche 180 million incentive program to, to, to use their apps? Like, mm -hmm. you know, that's not drawing in new users. That's fighting over the same pool of existing capital. So that's going to be important. 
but the bigger battle and bigger bigger uh, hurdle is getting is, is growing the pie for everybody, and that's what we're focused on. Very cool. God, I like that point about airdrops. I mean, they really are just fighting over everyone involved in the ecosystem. They're not right. really expanding the pie, like you said. Exactly, exactly. And and I mean, they're definitely important. Like, I don't think like I'm not gonna like scoff at those programs, and they definitely you know help bring notoriety and publicity to your chain uh, within this ecosystem. But we do need to think bigger uh, as an industry. Yeah. Agreed. Very cool. Is there some sort of mainstream integration you see being like really key? Maybe it's like Robinhood adding crypto wallets or something completely different. Yeah, no, I think that's important. And I don't know if it's going to be, I, I could see whether it's Robinhood and, and getting their users to onboard like into DeFi or it could be mm -hmm. just like a new startup that, uh, that, that arises with like a really great user experience that, that does, uh, you know, get some market share with higher yields, um, like higher yield accounts for less insurance, which could be, you know, interesting to a lot of people these days. So I could see it going both ways and, and, and why not both really? I could see like Robinhood or other major apps integrating directly into major DeFi protocols with some disclaimers, but um, mm -hmm. I could also see some startups arising that, that, that show some competition. Definitely. So Scott, let me ask you a little bit back to the technical side. How are the blocks processed on Icon? Uh, yeah, so Icon is just a traditional uh, PBFT, um, you know, DPoS network. So there's uh, currently 22 validator nodes. There's mm -hmm. gonna be one leader uh, every two seconds. That leader is gonna propose a block and then the other validators vote on it. That all occurs in, in around two seconds. So we have two mm -hmm. second finality on Icon. Um, and, and that's kind of how it works right now. We're migrating to a new core software, Icon 2.0. It's um, happening very soon. Um, mm -hmm. And then we're adding three more block producer slots where it's going to go from 22 to tw uh, 25. Mm -hmm. But those three additional slots are filled with um, randomly selected uh, like bench validators, if you will. So there's 100 total uh, validators that are eligible. The top mm -hmm. 22 will always produce blocks. And then um, of the other 78, they'll be picked at random to fill those other three slots. Um, and then they, that rotation happens once per day. Hmm. That's pretty cool. So, so two, per day. Yeah, go ahead. two second block times. Uh, how big are these blocks and how do you manage storage? Um, I'm not sure the actual block size. That would require a little more uh, conversation with the core development team. Um, yeah, and store, storage is there's no nothing fancy in terms of storage. Um, something that I've talked to uh, the Icon team about that I believe is implemented on Ethereum that I would like to see the core team implement uh, at some point. Certainly, no major rush is adding incentives to remove storage from the blockchain. I think it's mm -hmm. really interesting. You can actually save gas costs, like a transaction. Uh, like you know, as you're going through a transaction, it's racking up gas costs, and then. If you have within that transaction something that removes data from the blockchain database, it kind of adds like uh, adds a negative value to your gas cost. So it lowers your total gas cost for that transaction. I'd like to see that added to Icon. It's just like a kind of an idea, but but right now it's pretty straightforward. Just uh, you know, whatever data people want to store on it, they're going to pay a certain amount, and it's going to stay there. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never heard of removing old <clears throat> blockchain data. Wouldn't that change like the previous block data and the, therefore the hashes and everything? It's not quite like that, like the way you're thinking of like changing previous blocks. It's more like changing the necessary storage for the current state. So okay. like within each smart contract, there's databases, right? And you can add or remove data from that database. And, and that'll be like the current state of the blockchain. So, mm -hmm. you know, for most blockchains right now, there's no incentive to ever remove data from your smart contract. It's going to keep growing and growing and growing. You may want to save down like the history of every, every trade that ever happened on your decks, right? Mm -hmm. Like the only penalty for that currently is like a one-time gas fee every time you save that transaction. But then uh, that history take that clock, you know, adds bloat to the blockchain node and then node right. operators need to keep increasing their storage. So mm -hmm. there is like some long-term kind of ne negative effects of that. Uh, when you get really bloated so you want some mm -hmm. incentive for developers to like add to their transactions like add uh, methods that will you know remove data from a data set yeah not the necessary key data but just a small like some metadata that isn't really pertinent yeah. to after the transaction it's only pertinent to making the transaction right then yeah I've, like historical data is like a, a prime yeah. example like right now like, <clears throat> you're not you're not going to see people saving like every 
you know, some people may save every single trade that ever happened. They're like, you know, the balances of uh, LP tokens, like snapshotted every single day for the, for the, you know, for the rest of history, right? Like you don't need to save that. You can start removing that history and that should save you get that, that would, you know, uh, with what I was talking about, that would save you money on the transaction. Start removing uh, data from the database. Gotcha. Very cool. So I know you've talked a lot about uh, some stuff in the future, but if you could outline maybe the roadmap uh, from now to the, maybe the next year, what's going on with Icon? So yeah, I'd say um, like short term, we're going to be migrating to Icon 2.0. Uh, has mm-hmm. like Java Virtual Machine, um, you know, the smart contracts. Uh, there's a lot of features for um, developers that are going to enable more DAO functionality, which I'm really excited about as, as someone who's building an app in the ecosystem. Um, and also like the, the most important thing enables ETP. So I think like uh, from short term, we're looking at, you know, more apps launching, getting that DeFi infrastructure by the end of the year, along with uh, BTP starting to pick up some, pick up the pace and get more assets within the Icon ecosystem and get Icon based assets added in other ecosystems. So I'd say that's kind of like the short term. And then like more next year, I'm looking at uh, making like optimizing BTP, ironing out any kinks that we notice, like, the transaction fees right um you know how many relays do we need like what what are the cost of the relays like really optimizing btp and making it uh, and and getting more integrations i see that being a major focus next year awesome scott thanks so much for your time today coming on sharing all this awesome info with us we'll have to have you back on in the future we have uh icons website their twitter as well as uh your twitter scott linked in the bio below so if you guys want to find out more information about this project go right down there um, but Scott, I just want to give you uh, one last opportunity. If you have any shout outs you want to make or any other uh, ideas you got on your mind, uh, the floor is yours. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely just say like uh, right now would be, I definitely recommend checking out, you know, Icon's live apps, omm.finance, balance.network, uh, Iconbet, Project Nebula. There's a lot of uh, craft.network. If you're really into NFTs, um, you know, there's a lot of great stuff going on in our ecosystem. So, uh, you know, follow me on Twitter and, and you'll, then you'll be sure to know, uh, all the most recent updates. Awesome. So, yeah. Thanks guys. Really, really appreciate uh, coming on the show. Really good questions, really good quality conversation and, and, and really hope to do it uh, again soon. Yeah. Thank you. We'd be happy to have you back. Glad mm-hmm. you enjoyed it. All right. Take it easy guys. Have a good one. See ya. See ya. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, we got Money Mitch in the background. I'm curious to hear uh, what he thought about it. But Brian, what did you think? Um, I I liked it. I liked uh, everything you're saying about Icon. There's a lot of stuff that I didn't. It made me think about certain things that I haven't really put into thought beforehand. After he mentioned it, like even though the last conversation we were having about removing old data that is not needed anymore, and um, to you know de-bloat the whole entire blockchain which is pretty cool it, it you know there's a lot more that goes into it there because that could be kind of tricky but i didn't really even think about you know utilizing something like that and just mm-hmm. how icon does everything it's it's very interesting ryan you got anything for us yeah, i thought it was really cool i like how we've had cosmos on and now icon i mean they're similar projects but collaborative so it's super cool yeah. to see them both I really mm-hmm. like their ecosystem too. I thought it was cool that we got to hear about Balanced DAO and a few of the other applications on there. And I mean, right now, the only way to access some of those tokens are actually through Icon. So it'll be interesting, you know, if this gets really big, you know, who who knows where these tokens could end up and, and a lot of people could have access to them eventually down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to reach out to the uh, Polkadot guys that we did on that Benzinga Crypto Festival panel uh, and see if we can get them on to complete the... Uh interoperability trifecta mm-hmm. or uh, kuzma or i think kusama, I kusama. Uh, right. it is really cool that they both had the same idea where they want to work together even though they're quote-unquote competitors in a sense but they don't view each other as competitors they view each other as working together to broaden the whole horizon and mm-hmm. i think that in the blockchain community everything we touched on a few times i think that is the, one of the most important things for sustainability in this space Mm -hmm. so i think that is awesome i mean nothing but respect for that we should just have them on to fight who's better but you know that's that's a different conversation (laughs) i have a feeling it's not gonna happen no it won't 
they'll just call me an idiot because I am. And then we'll just move on and be happy because everyone's working together. And that was my true purpose. Wanted to prove that. <laughs> Full circle. Uh, yeah, no, but I think what he said about the growing, p- the growing pie uh, is really accurate because right now, cryptocurrency has the same amount of users as the internet did in 1997. And uh, I wasn't around back then, but I could imagine <laughs> the internet was pretty small uh, in its infancy stages back then. And now it's so much bigger. You can get on it instantly with a piece of metal in your pocket. You don't have to dial up. Uh, and that's basically where we are with blockchain painful and, too. And, and cryptocurrencies right now. So uh, if you're wondering whether or not it's too late to buy crypto, Probably not. It probably will never be. I mean, it as long as so we're older because there's gonna be newer. This isn't going away. Uh, it it really isn't. I'm glad that the internet isn't like how it was when I was you know seven to ten years old. But it's kind of cool. I didn't know that fact that we have as much users at, now in the blockchain space as when the internet started. And like multiple guests have said, blockchain is the is you know, even better than how the internet was when it first came out. It's pioneering a whole new world for us. So I have a special special treat for you right now. Get ready. Hit it. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Sneak peek. Oh, shoot. I showed the wrong screen. This will do though. Sneak peek of Twitter NFT profile verification right there. So here's what that's cool. Let's go back a little bit. Uh, so you uh, you go to change your profile picture, right? And uh, you pick your wallet. That, okay, I'm. That's really really cool. On a little side note, a friend of my, my uh, someone that's so sick. Someone I know just asked me if I worked for Bitcoin. Because they want to talk about something. They said, I heard you worked for Bitcoin. Can we talk about it? Wait, you know Bitcoin? (laughs) Yeah. That was cute. You know Satoshi? Yeah. I don't know how old she is or anything, but I'm assuming that she might not know much about crypto. But that was really cute. That was funny. I I always forget. What's the CEO of Bitcoin's name again? Uh, Craig Wright. (laughs) (laughs) Steve Flobs. Rick Sanchez. Yeah. John Jobs. Steve Jobs' uh cousin. It's definitely not Lil Uzi Vert. No, 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 no. He's the CEO He's of the Solana. CEO of Solana. I, yeah. yeah. I always get those mixed up. Uh very easy to confuse them. Uh-huh. All those smart contracts and stuff. Yeah, he was running a node in that diamond in his head, too. <laughs> That must have been an Ethereum node. Yeah, we'll have to clip that back into the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, we will. For the TikTok. That was a good one. All right. We're coming up on an hour, so I think we will call it here. Thank you guys all so much for tuning in to Moon or Bust today. If this is your first time on the show, welcome. Smash the like if you enjoyed it. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. Also, if you're here for crypto, hit up the Benzinga Crypto YouTube channel. It's a separate channel. First link in the description below. Uh, we're going to be doing a giveaway to one of the first thousand subs. So get in early. Uh, that's all I got. Brian or Ryan, do you guys have anything else for today? Follow Ryan on Twitter. Follow me on follow Twitter. Ryan. Follow Ryan yes, on follow Twitter, me. guys. Uh-huh. Good call. <laughs> all right. Uh, from Ann Arbor, Michigan, Lil Uzi Vert signing off. I was going to come up with another pun. I couldn't. Oh, no. <laughs> it's done. He's out. Sign off. Did you know nearly all stock price changes of 10% or more result from a single news headline? That's right. News headlines have a unique ability to drive stock prices up or down. These news catalysts create trading opportunities every day. All you need is a little help to reach out and take them. And if you're looking to grow your portfolio, it doesn't matter if your investment budget is small or big. An easy-to-read stream of news headlines will increase your opportunities to profit from price changes in the stock market, consolidate a knowledge-based investment strategy, and grow your portfolio. All you need is Benzinga Pro and its powerful news alerts, price tracking, and portfolio monitoring. 
to make a positive change in your trading performance. We've already helped thousands of retail traders across the world, and they could not be happier. Increase your market knowledge, boost your exposure to big movers, and make informed trades before major price changes. The opportunities are all around you. Subscribe now, and we'll skyrocket your portfolio today. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.